Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Pray, we'll jump right into our new series, Pray First. God, thank you today for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. God, thank you for keeping us safe this week. Thank you for bringing us back together. God, no matter what we had in our week, no matter what we encountered in the last seven days, you've been faithful. God, you've sustained us. You've put a roof over our head. You've filled our stomachs. You've kept us healthy. God, thank you. Today, we honor you. We worship you. I pray that you would show us a part of your heart this morning, God. Let us leave here today closer to you and closer to each other, we pray. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name, and everybody said amen and amen. Well, we're in Pray First, and this series is all going to be about how to pray. Maybe you've thought, man, I'd love to pray, but how many of you grew up in a traditional church, like, like Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopalian? Maybe prayer for you was like, I, I don't really know what that is. That's like something the priest does. Or that's something that like you do before you're about to fail a test. You know what I mean? Like just when you really, really need it. Or when a cop pulls you over, you see them red lights in the back. Come on. How many prayers you start praying? Jesus, I know I haven't talked to you in a while, but please, Jesus, please, this one time. And I, hey, this week I was going to pick up a guy from the airport. And I'm, I was late, and I'm flying. I'm doing about 70 on, like, like the, the IAH thing. Yeah, and it's like 45 or 50 coming around there. And I'm flying around the corner, and I come around, and there's a cop right around the corner, just perfectly positioned. Hits me at this lights. So I'm like, golly, now I'm going to be really late. I go to start pulling over. As I pull over, the cop cuts me off and gets the guy directly in front of me. Me and him were both going to say, he got here. Thank you, Jesus. Those prayers work. Yes, Lord. So I'll, have, I'll be selling that prayer I prayed right after service. For <laughs> When we pray, let me tell you why prayer is so important. When we pray, we see God's perfect plan for our life. When we pray, what we're doing is going, God, you are the author of my life. I need you to give me your plans. How many of you know God has wisdom for your life that's better than your wisdom? He got direction that's a little better than your direction. Which means when I pray, what is prayer? All prayer is is a conversation between you and God. It's, I heard one person say, prayer is like a car ride with your best friend. You listen as much as you talk. What they're saying is it's a conversation between you and God. And if I don't conversate with God regularly, just like if I don't conversate with my wife regularly, we're not on the same page. Come on, spouses. We're not on the same page, which means we need to be on the same page. i got to get with her and spend time with her and go, hey, what's the plans for this week? What do you have on your calendar? What are you thinking about? What's on your heart and mind this week? Is there something I need to be aware of? How can I help you in that process this week? Husbands, if you don't do that with your wife, that was also a message for you. You just do what I just said. You're welcome. So, I, but then I need to do that with God. If my wife and me need to be on the same page, how I many you know I need to be on the same page with the person who created me who knows what I'm supposed to do on this earth? So I've got to spend time with him so that I can hear what his perfect plan for my life is. At the end of 2022, they did a nationwide survey, and here's what they said. 44% of people said they know they need more of God in their life. 44% of people at the end of 2022 said, I know I need more of God inside of my life. Well, how do we get more of God in our life? Can I tell you it's simple? We spend more time with him. 
We spend more time with him. Ephesians 6.18 is our theme verse for this month, and here's what it says. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Now, if you read this, you go, okay, Paul, but like what else do I have time to do? <laughs> when do I go to work? And when do I like bathe the kids? And when do I like hang out with my friends? When do I, like pray all the time? And he begins to lay out what a lifestyle of prayer looks like for us. This is why 21 days of prayer is so important to us. I just want to give you a little bit of our journey. Our journey started with 21 days of prayer. Valley Rise Church's journey started with 21 days of prayer. For those of you who know the story, bear with me. For those of you who don't, you'll hear it for the first time this morning. So we were on staff at the second largest church in America out of Birmingham, Alabama, a church called Church of the Highlands, 23 campuses. There'll be probably close to 100,000 people there this morning. We're on staff there for almost four years, thought we were going to be there forever. It was our home. All our best friends are there. I'm getting to do everything I've ever dreamed of in ministry. An amazing place. And it came to a 21 days of prayer in January of 2017. And right before that, I was standing at a big conference we had. There was a big youth conference we did. 18,000 students. Everybody you would ever want to see is there. I'm hosting Tim Tebow. So I'm standing right next to Tim Tebow. Marty Schottenheimer standing on this side of me. Elevation Worship's playing. And I'm standing on the side of the stage looking at 18,000 people. And I had a moment there where I thought this. I thought this is everything anybody would ever want to accomplish in life and ministry. I've done it. I'm in like the mix of like the greatest thing you could ever imagine. And I was the most externally fulfilled I've ever been and the most internally unfulfilled I've ever been. And I text Alex standing right there and I said, I don't know what's going on, but we need to hear from God because I'm the most externally fulfilled I've ever been, but the most internally unfulfilled I've ever been. And she said, what does that mean? I said, I have no idea, but we're going into 21 days of prayer and I'm sure God does. (laughs) So we're going to begin to pray. 21 days, we begin to get up and go to church. I would go and pray and pray, God, I need to hear from you. God, I need your plans for my life. I need to know what you want. And as I begin to spend time with God, God began to speak to me. About two weeks in, somebody walked up to me at a prayer thing and goes, man, I was praying for you this morning, and I don't even know why I'm telling you this, because I love you, and this would break my heart, but I feel like God told us you're leaving. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know. I just felt like I'm praying, and God said, you're about to leave. Why, where are you going? I said, I don't know. I wish he would have told you. <laughs> so, so we begin to pray, and 21 days, 17 days, 18 days, 19 days. By the time we got to the end, honestly, we still weren't sure. 21 days come around, and I knew God was doing something, but I didn't know what he was doing. I went and met with my pastor and said, hey, Pastor Chris, I need you to help me because I'm feeling some things that I don't understand. I, I'm getting this, this restlessness, and I'm getting this. People are saying God's ought to move us, and, and what does this mean we begin the process of praying together and the journey of, hey, why don't y'all, I think, I think maybe God's birthing something inside of y'all. I think maybe God's calling you to go do something. He said, why don't you take a few weeks and just go look around and see if you were going to do something, if there's any place that just grabs your heart. So nobody knew this but me and Alex. I'm one of six children, all from South Louisiana, big Cajun family, like, like People knock on my door. My last name's Aranza. They start speaking Spanish to me. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm more Christian than Aranza, okay? I'm I'm more Cajun than I am Mexican. But I grew up in a huge Cajun. Everybody's back there. If you leave South Louisiana and you're Cajun, it's like treason, okay? They don't take it nicely. And so 
all my family back there, we always thought we were going to go back to South Louisiana. But nobody but me and Alex knew I had always had a deep love for Houston in my heart. My dad was born in Houston as a kid, hearing him tell stories about his rough childhood here and how painful it was for him. It did something on the inside of me that gave me a deep heart for Houston. And every time he would say, we're going to reach people and change the world, I would always think, but what about the people you hate in Houston? Because <laughs> his childhood was so rough and so difficult that he would talk about it like it was like Las Vegas. Houston was Las Vegas to us growing up. It was like the city of sin. And I would always think, who's going to help those sinful, wicked people in Houston if you're never going to go back there? Only God would know how to weave my life through this area. I got kicked out of school my junior year of high school in South Louisiana. I was a good basketball player, so there's a coach up here in Houston that took me in. I lived with him, graduated from high school up here. Me and Alex were getting engaged a few years later. She said she wanted to get engaged by a waterfall. I was like, how am I going to get her out in a forest next to a waterfall and her not realize what we're doing? That's like not fair. I don't know. Like that ruins the surprise. So I looked up unique waterfalls and found the water wall in downtown Houston. And we drove over here and I tricked her and told her we were picking up a Christmas present. And we got engaged right up under the water wall. And so nobody knew that Houston was my city but me and Alex. And so when he said, go around and look and see what if something you know, reaches you, grabs your heart, we said, we're going to come to Houston and just see so we came to Houston, and we got here, and we began to drive around. Someone told me that Tomball was an exploding place, and so we said, well, let's go look at Tomball and see. We looked on the map and found a school and thought, man, maybe if we could get in this school, that would be awesome. It would be really cool if we could have a church, like right here in this area. Do we have that picture? Do we have a picture back there? No? No picture? Oh, my gosh. We're supposed to give you a picture. I'm going to show it to you all. Here we go. Oh, shoot. That's a, now it's distorted. Hold on. No. Golly. So this is, the, this is us at Klein Oak, the very first day we ever pulled up into Houston. And we got out of the car. Woo! Hey, come on. Your pastor was an athlete. I told you. Hey. Um, and we got up out the car and took that picture and said, what if God could do something and we had a church in here? That was... Right before Harvey, maybe two months before Harvey, we moved down here a, a week before Harvey. That was a great welcome present. But I just want y'all to know, we did move down here in 2017, and since then the Astros have won three World Series. So y'all welcome. I'm not saying it's all us, but I do want to just make it known that something did change in the environment for that to happen. So I'm just saying. We begin to pray. We walked down here. We saw that. We went and walked through H-E-B, and I'll never forget walking through H-E-B right up here off of Champions, and as I'm walking through H-E-B, pushing a cart, I'm sobbing. I'm just weeping. People are looking at me. I'm like, oh, God, that's a great tomato. Oh, God. I'm just weeping because I know this is where God's called us to be. I'm watching people shop and going, we're going to serve those people. These are who God created us to love. These are the people God designed us to do life with. That was on the other side of 21 days of prayer. None of this would be here today if it wasn't for what I'm about to teach you this morning. So I want you to understand no matter where you're at in life and no matter what God's doing, these next 21 days can be pivotal for you if you press in to God. I want to give you five things to focus on this month in 21 days of prayer. Five things that are going to change your life if you focus on them this month. Number one, I want you to make prayer a priority. What would it look like for you to make prayer a priority in your life? 
Hey, can I tell you that first things matter in life? What you do first matters. How many of you, you do the important things first when you wake up? You, you check your bank accounts. You check your stocks. Come on, business guys. You, you make sure that everything important is where it needs to be. First things matter. It's why God calls us to give our tithes, because it's the first thing that matters. It's not what we do with all of it. It's what we do with the first of it. First things matter. And what God begins to lay out for us in Scripture is that we are supposed to live a life of prayer first all the time. What does it look like to live a life of prayer first? 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he gives us this direction and says, pray continually. Well, God, I've got other stuff to do. What do you mean pray continually? I used to always read this and be like, what does that mean? Do I need to go just lock myself in a room somewhere, God, and just pray all day long? In order to understand this, we must understand what prayer is. It's what I talked about a second ago. Prayer is a conversation between you and God. And I want to change your mind on prayer from something you do in the room by yourself to, you know, okay, God, I just got to make sure we're real quiet. Amen. To a conversation between you and God that takes place all day long. So my communication with God is very similar to my communication with my spouse. Before I go in a meeting and I text her, hey, I'm about to run into a meeting. I'll call you after this meeting. You know what I do? Hey, God, I need you before I go into this meeting. God, would you give me wisdom that I need in this meeting? Would you give me favor? God, would you just let me be in here and see things that nobody else sees? God, I need you. Thank you. It's a small conversation before I go into meetings. It's when I leave a meeting. God, man, that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. God, I need your favor and I need your grace. Help me find a way around what that meeting was. I need you to give me wisdom that comes only from you. It's a conversation between you and God that takes place all day long. What would it look like for you to make a conversation with God run throughout your day? That when you're in traffic, instead of getting frustrated or aggravated, you put on worship music and say, God, I'm just going to tell you about the frustrating meeting I had this morning so that when I get to my next meeting, I'm not carrying that you are. What does that look like in our lives when we have to pray continually? It means having a constant conversation with God all day long. So here's the question for you this morning. What has to change for this to happen in your life? What would have to change for you to have a constant conversation with God all day long? For the next 21 days, I want to challenge you to find a way to have a conversation with God all day long. That when you wake up in the morning, the first thing on your mind is, I want to connect with my creator because he's got plans for my life that I need. He's got wisdom that I need. He's got favor that I need. When I spend time with him, he gives me his perfect plan for my life, which means I need to make prayer a priority. For the next 21 days, I want you to make prayer a priority. What has to change for that to happen? What would have to change in your rhythm? What would have to change in your day? Maybe you'd have to get up 15 minutes earlier than you have and go, you know what? I'm going to just create a moment for me and God to get alone and spend time together. What does it look like to get alone with God and spend time together? That's number two. Number two, I want you to find a dedicated place to pray in the next 21 days. Find a dedicated place to pray. For me, I like to go in my closet. When I really need to hear from God, I go in my closet. Part of that's because I have three wild children and they don't ever leave me alone. But I go in my closet and I lock that door and I get there and I get on my face and I begin to cry out to God for what I need from him. I begin to refresh myself in his presence. I begin, me and Alex, we lived in Birmingham, had a little coffee nook and we'd get there in the morning. We'd sit there and do our Bible study together and we'd pray together. And we'd, but it was a dedicated place. 
It wasn't the kitchen table where maybe we were doing homework and maybe I was getting shown color and sheets and maybe I was also reading some scripture at the same time. Wives, y'all know what that's like. When you're trying to talk to your husband and all of a sudden he's watching TV and he's texting somebody and he's wrestling with the kids and you go, are you even listening to me? And what do they do? Oh, yeah, 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 I hear you. I mean, you know, we do that with God a lot of times. We've got stuff going on in my day, and God goes, hey, I've got stuff for you. We go, yeah, 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 you got to hear you. I'm going to get there Sunday. I hear you. And we miss what God really wants to do in our life. Hey, I want you to find a dedicated place to pray. Why? Because Jesus modeled this for us in Mark 1. Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, I want you to see this. Jesus had a time that he prayed. It was always first thing in the morning. Jesus would get up and he would go away. He would withdraw himself to go spend time with God. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, most theologians believe that this place was the Garden of Gethsemane. It's where we see Jesus in the last moments of his life, praying, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. This place is a holy place that Jesus spent time with God regularly. Actually, when Jesus comes back, he's going to return to that very same place, Scripture tells us. So this is a powerful place. Jesus had a set-apart place. He was God. He could have done it anywhere. But when he needed to connect with the Father, he would always withdraw himself and go away and go, God, I need you to do in me what only you can do. He would have a time, and he would have a dedicated place. Hey, here's my question for you this morning. What place would be most conductive, conducive for you to pray effectively? What place in your home, your house, your life, your job would be most conducive for you to pray effectively? What would it look like if you just got alone in your dinner table, your closet, your car, and said, God, this is going to be my spot that when I come here, me and you spend time together. I shut out all the distractions of the world. I'm not worried about what's going on in the news. I'm not checking my phone when it goes off. God, I need to hear from you. What place would be most conducive for you to spend time with God? God loves when you find those places and when you make that routine inside of your life. It's like I said at the beginning. If you set aside time for God, God is always faithful to come and spend time with you. God's just often waiting for us to make time for him. Number one, make prayer priority. Number two, find a dedicated place to pray. Number three, have a plan for prayer. Have a plan for prayer. What does that mean to have a plan for prayer? Jesus models this in Luke 11, one through two. He says, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And then he begins to detail to the disciples the Lord's prayer. Now, we have an amazing resource for you this morning, and if you've never used this, I encourage you. We have a ton of them out there. You can grab them when you walk out. This is our prayer book, and it makes prayer so easy and so effortless. This is a plan to pray, and let me teach you the plan. When you go in here, many of you have seen me do it. I've taught through a lot of these prayer plans, and you'll open it up, and they have things like the tabernacle prayer, and the tabernacle prayer is a breakdown of every part of the Jewish tabernacle and what they would do to connect with God, and then it gives you the same layout. When they would enter the court with thanksgiving and praise, well, that means the first thing I need to do is start praising God. So I start my plan with the outer court. Father God, you are good, and you deserve all my praise and more. Thank you for using me in many ways. God, thank you for blessing me. Thank you for, you are amazing. Who is like my 
my God. You make mountains melt like wax. I begin to praise him. Then I go into the brazen altar. I taught this a couple months ago, where I begin to be reminded of what Jesus did for me. I begin to cast all of my cares on him. This is a prayer plan. And what it does is it gives you direction. Because until you learn how to pray, maybe you've done like I did when I was younger. I'd go, okay, I'm going to pray. And I'd get in the closet and I'd go, all right, God, what do you want to say? <laughs> and it'd be nothing. And I'd go, okay, well, if you're not going to say anything, I got some stuff. So uh, if you could help me with this or you could help me with that, if you could, all right, God, thank you, amen. And that was my prayer. Maybe you grew up in a religion or a sect that you didn't know how to pray. You weren't taught what prayer looks like. Maybe you didn't have a mom and dad that modeled prayer for you that said, hey, let me show you what it looks like to live a life of prayer and have a process of prayer. You can grab one of these books and it's got multiple prayer plans inside of it that you can get up in the morning and when I go, hey, we're gonna spend 45 minutes praying, you can pull this out and I promise you, you won't get through all of it in 45 minutes. This is how I learned to pray. I started doing this and by the time I'd get to the end of it, it was already ended and I'm going, no time out, I'm not done yet. I have more to pray for because I realized when I followed a plan, there was a lot I could pray for. I just didn't realize it yet. Have a plan for prayer. What, here's the question for you in this one is, what plan makes prayer easy, interesting, and effective for me? Which plan is going to make prayer easy, interesting, and effective for me? Because remember, prayer is just you communicating with the Father. The goal is to find a time, to find a way, to find an environment that you and the Father can have the best communication possible. Spouses, you do this already with your spouse. If you want to spend time together, me and Alex want to spend time together, we have a booth at Tailgaters, and we go to that booth, and we sit down, and it's like nobody else is in that restaurant but us. It doesn't matter if there's a billion people in there. That's our spot, and we sit there, and we tune everything out, and we talk, and we laugh, and we cut up. That's our spot. Hey, where is your spot with God where you connect? Have a plan. Number four, the fourth P this morning is pray with energy and power. I want to break something off of you this morning that, that maybe got put on you as a child. Are you aware that nowhere in Scripture does it say, like, pray quietly, like, be quiet in church, like, bow your heads? Like, that's something religion added a long time ago. That was never a God thing. It's actually the exact opposite. Scripture says, enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise, which means we're supposed to come in here, God, I'm so glad I get to be, God, this is amazing, I get to be with your people this week. I'm so grateful I get to be in your house this week. I love when I get to worship you, God. We get to be powerful. Religion steals the power out of the relationship with Jesus. None of you have ever gotten into an excitable, enjoyable relationship with somebody and been bored. Well, yeah, I don't know, I just don't have a lot of fun spending time with them. No, because if you loved them, you wanted to spend time with them. If you loved them, you were excited about spending time with them. You ever see people that are in love and haven't seen each other for a while? They walk up to each other and go, hey, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. No, they run up to hug each other, kiss each other. Oh, I missed you so much. I haven't seen you in so long. Hey, God says that's what our response is to him. Thanksgiving and praise, exaltation, when we clap our hands. When we live, all of that is scriptural. Nowhere in scripture do you see go into his house and be silent. Go into his house and be real quiet and don't be powerful or effective. No, religion taught us that. James 5.16 tells us the opposite. It says this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know what that means, earnest, the earnest prayer? That means I've got to pray like it matters. 
I've got to pray with power. I've got to pray exciting. I've got to pray. There's a difference in my prayers when I'm in, into it, when I realize I'm making a difference in the spiritual realm, that I'm not just throwing up a Hail Mary. God, it would be great if you help me today. Thank you so much. No, but I'm praying powerful prayers. Can, can I just model for you all what that sounds like for a moment, how I pray for you all almost every single day? I just want you to just receive this. This is how I pray for you every single day when I'm by myself in my closet. God, I pray for our people. God, I pray a hedge of protection around our people. I plead the blood of Jesus over them from the top of their head to the tip of their feet. I pray that no weapon formed against them today shall prosper. Thank you that you have plans and purposes for their life, God. Thank you that you're working and ordaining things inside of them for today. You have things you want to bring to them. You have people you need them to interact with. You have people they're going to lead to you today, Jesus. I pray favor over them. I pray against every demonic attack that would come against their families and their lives. I pray that the blood of Jesus would be poured upon them. He would raise up a standard against them. God, don't let the enemy touch our people. Protect them, keep them, and bring them back safe on Sunday in Jesus' name. Hey, that's a powerful prayer. That's different than, hey, let me ask you this. You want me praying for y'all like that or, God, please bless everybody that shows up on Sunday. Amen. Okay, no, one of those changes things. One of those just makes me think about you. I've got to be powerful with my prayers. Jesus did not die for religion or tradition. He died for power and relationship. This is what it means to pray with energy and power. Hey, I want to ask you in these 21 days, what hurdle would you have to overcome to make prayer a powerful experience for you? What hurdle would you have to over? And maybe if it is a religious thing that you go, I just felt like I'm never supposed to be loud in church. I'm never supposed to. You need to go look through scripture and find that. You need to see what scripture says so that you can go, oh man, this is actually what it says. Well, then I need to base my life on that, not what somebody told me at six or seven years old. We've got to be powerful in our prayer because powerful prayer is effective. Number five, we've got to relate to the persons of prayer. This is one of my favorite. How many know that God is a person? He has a personality. God's not just sitting up there with a blank face like, No, he loves you. The Bible says the God that sits in the heavens laughs. God has a personality, and we can get to know him. 2 Corinthians 13 lays out the persons of Jesus. I have two. I love this. I'm going to teach them the second one. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And then the message translation breaks this down even better. I love the language it uses. Let's go to the next one. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ. You should hear this. He begins to lay out the personalities of God. The amazing grace of the master. Why does it start with Jesus and not God? Because without Jesus, we have no relationship with God. Okay, so it starts with Jesus. The amazing grace of the master of Jesus Christ. How many of you know Jesus is grace and truth, Scripture says? His personality is gracious. Jesus' personality is, I know that's, it's okay, hey, come on, that's not who you really are. Let's get you to where you're supposed to be. Hey, I know you messed up, but that's not you. You got more in you. Come on, I know what you got in you. Jesus is grace and truth. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God. Have you ever seen a dad that was so awesome you wanted him to be your dad? You ever see that where he's just like a dad walks in and his kids are hanging on him and he's like pulling candy out of his pockets and like you're just like, man, I just wish I had a dad like that. Like that dad's always handing out $100 bills and root beer candy. I like that dad. This is the dad you have. This is the God you serve. The God of extravagant love. 
that when you walk in the room, he goes, oh, come on, get up on me. I love you. Oh, I sent my son to die for you. Oh, I care about you. Come on, climb up on daddy. The extravagant love of God. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. I love it that the Holy Spirit is our friend, that we have communion with him all day long. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. You know what that is? That's the voice on the inside that saves you from you. You know that voice. You've never listened to it maybe and it's hurt you before. That's the Holy Spirit that says, hey, no, 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 this, this isn't good for you. You have more in you than this. Hey, you shouldn't be here. This isn't like you anymore. Hey, that relationship isn't going to fulfill in you what you think it's going to fulfill. That, that job is not where your hope needs to be. You know that voice on the inside of you. It's the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he begins to lay out, that these personalities are not only parts of God, but we have access to all of them. That we have grace from the cross of Jesus. We can surrender to the amazing love of God. I want you to hear what I just said. You can surrender to the amazing love of God. Which means this. You can pray this prayer. God, I know your plans for my life are better than any plans I have for my own. God, I know whatever you want to do in my life is better than whatever I want to do in my life. I can surrender to God's plans for my life because his plans are always better than my plans. You see this with kids a lot of times. You ever surprise your kids and they get caught off guard and like mad they didn't get something and then you go like, I had something so much better for you. Like this wasn't even, like I tricked you with that. So you would be distracted. That wasn't even the good thing. Like what are you worried about? Dad's always got something better. That's how our life is. We have these plans, and it's like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then God goes, no, 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 we're going to do this. God, why would you do this? Why? I can't believe you. I lost that job. I lost that job. I'm going to be forever. And then God goes, oh, because I had this for you. And about three months later, you go, oh, my God, God, you're way better than me. This is awesome. How would you do this? You knew this was going to be here. I didn't know that. God, that's awesome. Because you can trust God. God always has the best plans for you. As I close, I want to give you the prayer that I pray for y'all as a church. And I think it's powerful, and I think you should learn to pray it. I think all of us, when we walk in this, it's the fullness of what God created us for. Ephesians 1, 16, and I learned this from my pastor. Here's what it says. I have not stopped praying. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Just so y'all know, that's, that's how I pray for you. I'm so thankful for you. And when I saw y'all in HEB, whether you were there or not, God put a desire in my heart to serve y'all. I'm so grateful that I get to do that. I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Can I just tell you, I want you to know no matter what your week looks like, no matter what your day looks like, if you ever lay in your bed at night and go, nobody is, I want you to hear this brown six foot four Mexican voice going, I'm praying for you. Nobody knows, no, I am. I'm all alone. No, you're not, your pastor's thinking about you. When I lay in bed, I see y'all's faces. And I have a photographic memory, so literally I see every single face that's in this building. I see y'all's faces, and I pray over you. Many of you have gotten texts from me in the middle of the week. Hey, I'm praying for you. What's going on today? Oh, how'd you know? It's the worst day of my life. I just found out bad news. How'd you know? I didn't. God knew. I woke up this morning, and you were the first thing on my mind. So I knew, obviously, you were, something was going on. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
This is what your pastor prays for for you. God, give them wisdom and revelation. Let them see you clearly, God. Give them wisdom in their jobs that comes only from you, in their marriage that comes only from you, in their relationships that comes only from you, so that you may know him better. Why do we need wisdom and revelation? Not so that you can be good, so that you can know our Father better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You know what this means? This means our heart has eyes. And everything we see in the world, we see through the eyes of our heart. Everything that happens to you, you take in through the eyes of your heart. And if I can just be honest with you, Many times you get those things wounded as a young child. Somebody hurt something, somebody broke something, somebody did something to you, somebody wounded you, somebody said something, and it put a mark on the eyes of your heart. And so now when you see things, you don't see clearly because you're seeing through a lens that's been broken. This is what what he's talking about. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that God gives you wisdom to see that what that person did to you as a child was not because of you, that was pain and sin inside of them that hurt you, not God. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened. May you see the thing you thought God sent to kill you didn't. It rescued you from more pain. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened. May you see yourself the way God sees you today. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. You know what that means? When you see clearly, you see God's plans for your life. When you see clearly, you get hope again because you go, oh my goodness, I thought this was the end. God has so much more for me than what I could have ever imagined. So that the eyes, so that you may know the hope to which he has called you. What is the hope? The riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. Do you know God has an inheritance set aside for you? That no matter what earthly father you had, your heavenly father has an inheritance that he's already decided to give you. That when you get up there, he's going to go, oh my goodness, I loved you so much when you were on earth. How'd you even know me? Because I'm your father. I know all of you. I had some set aside just for you. An inheritance. What is his inheritance? The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Do you know what our inheritance is as believers? people. What is your inheritance? It's the relationships God's going to bring you in your life that are going to transform your life. It's the marriage that you're going to find a godly spouse in the house of God and it's going to be a different thing than you've ever experienced before. It's the relationships, it's small groups you get in and you find your best friend and you go, man, my life is totally different now. That's a part of your inheritance. God's going, I'm going to give you these gifts, and these gifts I wrap in skin, and I call them people, but they're gifts to your life to help you along this journey. That's your inheritance that he calls you to in his holy people. This month, we have an opportunity to press into God, to get a place to pray and a time to pray and to pray powerful prayers and to allow him to change us from the inside out. You have a chance in 2023 for the back half of your year to be totally different than the front half of your year was. But it will only happen when you set aside time to spend with the creator of the universe. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, thank you today that you do long to connect with your children. God, you desire to spend time with us. You desire to be close to us. You desire to speak to us. God, I pray today in these 21 days of prayer, 
that we would hear your voice like we never have before that we would experience your presence like we've never known before. Jesus, I pray for supernatural breakthrough in areas of our life. God, areas only you can move. Doors only you can open. Situations only you can arrange. God, we pray that as we press into your presence, we would see you do amazing things in the next 21 days. God, your word is faithful and true that if we show up and spend time with you, you are always faithful to show up. So God, we ask that in these next 20 days, you would bless us, be with us. When we get here in the morning, let your presence be here, God, ready to transform us. I pray that as we press into you, we would see a supernatural transformation in the second half of our year. God, we pray that you would show us the hope to which you've called us to, that you'd remind us that we're your children, that we'd walk in the grace of Jesus and the relationship that the Holy Spirit offers us today. Thank you for each and every person here, God, who's taking a step deeper into their relationship with you. I pray they leave here transformed by your power and your presence. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here that say, Christian, that sounds awesome, but man, I've never really started a relationship with Jesus. I've experienced church or religion, but I've never encountered a genuine relationship with the creator of the universe. Not based off of if I could perform or be good enough, simply based off of my need for him and his death on the cross for me. If that's you and you say, Christian, today I want to begin that relationship with Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just between you and him, I simply want to pray for you this morning. But if that's you and you say, Christian, would you count me in that prayer today? I know I need to start that relationship with Jesus this morning. Would you just slip your hand up right now so I can pray with you? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down, and at Valley Rise, we pray this all together. So you can pray it out loud. You can say it under your breath. You can pray it in your heart as long as you mean it is what we ask. Would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, today I recognize my need for you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, which came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life, a life I never could have lived, but you did it so that I wouldn't have to. And Jesus, I believe you went to the cross to pay for my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. I receive your gift. And then Jesus, I believe on the third day, you rose from the grave to give me new life, hope, and freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to love you. I choose to seek you. I choose to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen. Would you give a hand to those who just made the prayer? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.